afternoon we open the Word of God in the New Testament in the Epistle of James. James chapter 3 is our scripture passage. Then in response we will be singing from Psalm 5, the stanzas 2, 3, 5, 6, and 8. Psalm 5, stanza 2, 3, 5, 6, and 8. But first of all, we listen to the Word of God as it speaks to us in James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So far, the reading of God's holy word. For this afternoon, brothers and sisters, we find in the ninth word of the law of our God, and what we confess regarding it in Lord's Day 43 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 43, page 557 in the back of our book of praise. 
There we echo the Word of God as follows. What is required in the Ninth Commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works, under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. That's Lord's Day 43. In response to the sermon, we will be singing all six stanzas of Psalm 101. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the law, brothers and sisters, is our rule for a life of thankfulness. It is our guide in the renewal of our life. By nature, we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. And now the Spirit of Christ works to restore us to a life in which we learn to love God and our neighbor. Well, the Holy Spirit also uses this word of the law for that purpose. This ninth word clearly shows how much our love to the neighbor is in focus. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. We all know the power of the word in this world. It can make or break the neighbor. It can hardly be overstated how much the word can be against a neighbor. We all know of the disruption of communion, of the frustrations, the anger, when you know how certain people talk, what they say, who it is. You can't prevent it, change it, or correct it, yet you know how it's done, bad-mouthing you, twisting your words to make you look bad. We know of the hurt, the pain of injustice done by the word of mouth. If anywhere, then here the law of love is transgressed all the time, underlining the fact that by nature we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. The authors of the Heidelberg Catechism, beloved, must have been impressed very much also by the power of the lie and the falsehood of slander and gossip. Just see how sharply they have expressed this in our Lord's Day. It's the only Lord's Day which mentions in its explanation of the Ten Commandments the devil. All lying and deceit, no matter what its appearances may be, are the devil's own works. Lying is not just a bad habit or annoying. No, it's devilish, satanic. 
If indeed the deliverance from bondage to sin means to be freed from the power of the devil, it is here where it shows on whose side we are. In accordance with this serious thrust of our confession, we proclaim to you the word of God in the ninth commandment, all lying and deceit are the devil's own works. I must hate the lie, I must love the truth. Those are the two points. So all lying and deceit are the devil's own works. And we see, first of all, I must hate the lie, and secondly, I must love the truth. The lie, beloved, is not from God, but from the devil. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has stated this very sharply in John 8, verse 44. There he says to the Jews, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Could we express it more explicitly and straightforward than this? The origin of the lie is with the devil. Now, based on Isaiah 8, as Isaiah 6, brothers and sisters, you can imagine for yourself the throne of God in heaven before the devil revolted. Around the throne of God there were the angels, the archangels, the seraphim, and the cherubim. They are the mighty spirits of God around his throne. Each one of the seraphim had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. That's in order not to look at God irreverently. With two, they covered their feet because they do not want to leave without a pertinent command. And with two, they were flying to speed away wherever God would send them. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. That's how the angels were around the throne of God. That's where it happened. One of these angels took his wing away from before his face and looked at God looking at him with jealousy, envy. He did not want to keep his position as assigned to him, says Jude in his epistle, verse 6. He wanted to be like God, just as glorious and holy, just as majestic and divine. He did not want to stay where he was, depending on God's command, he wanted to determine himself where to go, what to do in the universe. That's when it all started. That's when and how the battle between the truth and the lie began, beloved. He did not hold to the truth, Jesus says. Then also the battle between the followers of the truth and the followers of the lie began. 
The angels who remained faithful to God joined Michael. Who is like God, his name says, and fought against Satan and his angels. That ongoing battle between good and evil, truth and lie, was decided as far as heaven is concerned when the Lord Jesus ascended to his throne. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he said in anticipation of that moment. Luke 10, verse 18. On earth, the battle still continues. Now, these contrasts between good and evil, truth and lie, are not contrasts which have existed eternally as light and darkness exist beside each other. That's what modern thinkers want to make us believe. Absolutely not. God created the world good and without satanic features. All evil, all lying and deceit, all arrogance and rebellion come from the devil, who also had been created good originally. He, however, did not continue in the truth, Jesus said. And he wanted to drag along not only the other angels, but also the whole creation in his conquest for the universe. Especially man had to become the victim of his pride, his deceit. With all his might, he went to work to accomplish his pursuits. Right from the start, he twisted the truth about God, introducing the lie into this world. Indeed, he dragged man along in it. In word and deed, man also became deceitful. The scriptures, brothers and sisters, are very realistic in their presentation of this reality. It leaves no doubt about the deceitfulness of man. Think of the patriarchs. They were pious men, believing the promises of God for future generations. Yet, how influential also the lie is in their life. Abraham lies when he is afraid of losing his wife to Pharaoh, so he said, she is my sister. Also to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, he lies about the same. In Jacob's life, the lie jeopardizes his ways many a time. With lying and deceit, he obtains the blessing from his father. He is himself deceived as well by his own sons in the episode with Joseph. They tell him that a wild animal had, has killed him while they had sold him to Egypt. The lie did its destructive work in the families of the patriarchs. It came along into the history of Israel as well. The book of Psalms gives us many examples of relationships which were broken by means of the words of one's mouth. Many a psalm speaks of enemies plotting destruction, using a tongue that is razor sharp, or wetting their tongues like swords, aiming bitter words like arrows. 
He who does not speak the truth from his heart, but who slanders with his tongue, may not come to the holy hill of God. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house, David declares. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence, Psalm 101, verse 7. Those people were there. Life and death are involved with it, also within the covenant community. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit, says Solomon in Proverbs 18, verse 21. In the church, the battle is on between the righteous and the wicked between those who fear the Lord and people who remain in the grip of the devil. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Proverbs 11, verse 9. A truthful witness saves life, but a false witness is deceitful. Proverbs 14, verse 25. Yes, especially in court, this reality of life and death appears clearly. Especially there, the lie reveals its power in a false testimony. What terrible consequences false witnesses can have when it is given in the courts of justice. It's decisive over life and death. No wonder, beloved, the Lord used this setting of court to present the seriousness of the destructive powers of the lie. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. In those days, even more, the judge depended on the testimony of the witnesses. They did not have today's refined technology to bring to light the truth and the lie. In cases of justice, the neighbor's money, possessions, his family and property, his name and his reputation were on the line. Just think of the court case set up against Naboth, the neighbor of King Ahab. Men of Belial, the devil's cohorts, were hired to give false testimony against Naboth. It cost him his life. He was stoned. Again, what wicked role didn't the lie play in the procedures against the Lord Jesus? False witnesses were brought in to testify against him. This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. They transgressed the commandment of God most blatantly there against him whom no one could accuse of sin. Yes, against the truth himself. In fact, he said to Pilate, For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. John 18, verse 38. So he did. In the face of all slanderers, liars, and false witnesses among his people, Pilate, however, responded, What is truth? That's how the devilish lie brought to lead Lord Jesus on the cross. Was it any different in the New Testament? 
Was it only a wickedness among the apostate people of God, beloved, as it was repeated, for instance, in the case of Stephen the deacon? No. Also in the New Testament church, the lie penetrated in its opposition to the truth. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. That soon after Pentecost, the day on which the spirit of truth was poured out, the devil sows the seeds of lying and deceit among the church of Pentecost. And thus the apostle Peter exposes it, Ananias, you have not lied to men but to God. Sapphira, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? They expose themselves to death, to the power of death, especially among the church of Jesus Christ, the victor over death, the victor over the devil. The truth must prevail. And with the epistle of James, brothers and sisters, we have seen how especially in the church of God, the temptation is strong to transgress the ninth commandment. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, James writes. With several examples, James shows us the power of the lying tongue. What a devastating result that relatively small member the tongue brings about. The tongue also is a fire, he writes, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's a restless evil he adds, full of deadly poison. With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. No, James doesn't pull any punches. He's straightforward. What a warning. What a powerful appeal this makes to hate, yes, to hate the lie. This is the word of God, of whom the Apostle Paul says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Romans 3, verse 4. And isn't that so? How deceitful, deceiving, and false a man can be, hypocritically pretending to be good and true and sincere. How many disguises cover the deceitfulness of man. The whole society is full of flattering, of complimenting and smiling in man's face, while behind their backs the deadly poison of the lie wrecks his reputation. Indeed, beloved, there is good reason for the sharpness with which the sin against the ninth commandment is exposed in the Heidelberg Catechism. Then we should be well aware, though, that it lays on our lips into the mouth of you and me the words that I must not twist anyone's words. I must not slander nor condemn nor gossip. Why? Does that happen in our congregation? that someone is going around condemning other brothers and sisters rashly? 
Do lying and deceit, gossip and slander have a place among us? Oh, how true the Word of God is where it says, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Lord's Day 43 confesses the reality of these sins among us, in you and me. And it drives us out to Jesus Christ. The transgressors of this commandment crucified Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life who shows us I must love the truth. Our second point. Brothers and sisters, you can't ever do this outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love the truth. Speak and confess it honestly. And do what you can to defend and promote your neighbor's honor and reputation. Now, it happens that a member of the church goes around bad-mouthing, creating controversy and division that way. As Paul already wrote about to Timothy and Titus, his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions, says Paul. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. For Christ is the truth himself. He has the spirit of truth and obtained it for you and me. So I'm not coming to you with some moral teaching about the improvement of our communication and conversation. I proclaim Christ to you, our perfect mediator, especially in connection with this. He said, without me, you can do nothing. That includes this commandment as well. Then Christ calls himself the true vine and shows us that from the fruits of our life it appears that we live through him, showing in the things we say. And of course, beloved, you've understood already that speaking the truth is much, much more than just giving the facts correctly. When the Scriptures speak about the truth, it does so in the light of God being the truth. We who must love the truth and speak the truth in love, we must be reunited with God by the Spirit of truth. That way our whole life becomes a walking in the truth. If we are disconnected from Christ, however, and apply the law without this love and truth of the Spirit, our life becomes a lie and is bereft of the works of the Spirit. Only when we walk in the truth in unity with Christ, through His Spirit, our life regains stability, security, and our relationships flourish. 
That's the truthfulness I must pursue, brothers and sisters, and seek, and speak, and confess. With that truth we stand in the, in the world which is perverted and corrupted by the lie. In that world you may defend the truth and promote it. In the light of that truth your view of life, of society, will differ from the public opinion. It will prevent you from following the majority on the way of evil. Issues of common sense, of general acceptance, of universal trends must be discerned by the roots of unbelief, of the lie, and of public deceit. You know the power of the Word in this world. Whatever politicians, philosophers, and theologians want to accomplish is carried out in the way of the Word. Speeches, addresses, propaganda, and promotion can sway masses of people. Just remember Hitler's Germany. By means of the mass communication media, entire nations are brainwashed by the powers of the lie. In fact, is it not one of the overriding features of our time that the lie rules universally via satellites and global communication? In the light of God's Word, however, beloved, we must learn to discern what is really happening in this situation. The coming of the lawless one, Paul says to the Thessalonians, will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Is that truth? not a strong enough incentive to test your life, to see whether you walk in the truth or in the lie. Therefore, arm yourself. Buy the truth and do not sell it, says Solomon in Proverbs 23, verse 23. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Study God's words. Study the times in the light of the words. Read your Bible. Read, read the words, as also the shorter Westminster Confession professes as subsequent to the preaching. Read your words. Read Clarion. Read Reformed Perspective. Read Christian Renewal. Read, read, read. Listen to the preaching and use it as you read your paper. It's the truth which is proclaimed here. Confess it. Defend it. And promote it. You are the salt of the world. 
but then you must be salted by the truth. You are the light of the world, but then you must be enlightened by the spirit of truth. Beloved, let the way of truthful living be clearly evident from your lifestyle. No ambiguity, no world conformity, no confusing signals to your children. No mixture of mentalities will ever convey to others that you are of the truth. Then you are bearing false witness to your neighbor. Therefore, I must remind you again that you cannot do anything outside of Jesus Christ. Only when He lives in us and we are living in Him, with Him, for Him all the time, in everything, then things will become different. Learn Christ. Now, we should not only stand this way in the midst of the world with the truth, also in the congregation. This truth should have a bearing on our communal life. Lord's Day 43 promotes love for the truth, especially with a view to your brother and sister sitting with you here, your neighbor, who is as near to you that you can turn your head from him or to whom you can turn to lead him in the truth. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body, says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, verse 25. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. He writes to the Colossians 3, verse 9. Are we not renewed by the truth? united in the truth as one body? Well, this unity is commanded to you, beloved. Indeed, what misery still persists in this respect? What damage is done still by some concerning others? Even the children at school or at catechism class reflect the damaging influence sometimes which goes out from the parents undermining the reputation of others by envy, jealousy, slander, etc. Fight against that. Love the truth. Promote the reputation of your brother and sister as much as you can. And if you can't promote it, be silent. I may refer to you to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, love always protects. Love casts the cloak of silence over what is displeasing in your neighbor. Be silent in humbleness, realizing how sinful we ourselves are. Judge, discern the spirits, but in humility and with a view to seeking your neighbor in love, leading him in the truth. Then we learn that it is better 
to pray for our neighbor and to speak with him than to speak about him. Love the truth, avoiding all lying and deceit as the devil's own words. Under penalty of God's heavy wrath, we can only ignore this command at the expense of our own soul and salvation. Let's remember the outcome for the camp of the lie and the camp of the truth, as John writes in Revelation 22, verse 15. Outside, he says, of the New Jerusalem are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, etc. And everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Brothers and sisters, let us bear witness to the truth in order that the truth may conquer the world. Then the God of all truth will establish you in the earth to praise and glorify Him forever. Amen.